It's episode two of the Simply Human podcast. On today's show, we visit with Vinny Tortorich, an author, ultra cyclist, cancer survivor, and trainer, about his book, Fitness Confidential. We talk about Martina Navratilova, filling stations, the irony of Disneyland, and why I remind him of the Unabomber. And in our Human Being Human segment today, we're visited by Stephen Baldridge and hear how reading three words almost killed him. Here we go. Your good intentions have been stolen, and he's here to help you get them back. He's America's angriest trainer. Vinny Tortorich, ladies and gentlemen, is here. The first guest ever on the Simply Human podcast. Vinny, thanks for joining us. Wait, wait. You got to hang on because I'm writing this incredible note down <laughs> that... Uh, uh, all right, uh, size. Okay, okay. Now I got it. Now, <clears throat> now, now, now we can go. Clearing my throat because yeah. that's very professional. Yeah, people right. love when old guys clear phlegm from their throat. Well, it's um, it, that's that's great show right there, Mark. Right there, you write that down. That's how you do it. Well, would have been telling. great show is the is like the ten minutes <laughs> of us on the phone. Like now, how do you do Skype? Is it on the back thing or where do you push on the thing? And trying to, we finally did it. Amazingly, we we beat technology trying to defeat us. No, we didn't beat technology <laughs> because you know we were sitting there going, "What the f, man?" What it, because they they can make it so easy. You know, I, as I was explaining to you. You know, when people go to VinnyTortorich.com uh, and they want to buy a T-shirt, it's right there on the front page. All you have to do click. is click on the little icon that looks like a T-shirt, and it takes you right to a T-shirt, and you press another button or two, and you put your information in, and a T-shirt comes right to your house. It's like magic. Yes, it's it like is. Little it elves is magic. pack it away, and a little fairy carries it to your house <laughs> and delivers it. Yes. And, but no, to get on Skype, took us 20 minutes yeah. of a phone conversation. <laughs> right. I can't believe we could even no figure sense. out the phones to call each other. That's uh, it's amazing. But and, and by the way, I Skype all the time. It's not like this is my, my first dance. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm doing other people's podcasts yeah, two and three a week. So it's not like, you know, I don't do this. Right. You're a newbie. Right, right. Yeah. <clears throat> well, well, Vinny, the reason that I and so many others love you is because, you know, you're not a salesman, you're a real person, and because, you know, you haven't backed yourself into a corner with a label, you're a friend to all, the vegans, the carnivores, the uh, carnivorous vegans, as you have termed, uh, to endurance athletes, to people who do have, don't want to do anything near an endurance event, the guy just wanting to walk 10 minutes a day, so... You know, I appreciate that, and, and uh, there are a couple things that I'd like to do tonight or today, whenever you're listening, it's podcast, who knows when they're, when they're yeah. downloading, it's on demand. Uh, you know, I want to go over uh, a, few, a few quotes that, that I just want to hear your take on from the book that I just love, uh, and then ask you a few questions, and I'll obviously start off with kind of your bio. So just, uh, just quickly, you know, your fans obviously know who you are, but you know the Simply Human podcast might tap into a different market. So, sort of introduce yourself uh, to a to a new market. Okay, uh, and by the way, if my bio doesn't sound correct, just tell me, and I'll make up a different one. <laughs> yeah, at this point, um, I just read your book for like the third time today, so I, I probably know you better than you know you. <laughs> yeah, you know, if you want to fill in anything, just just knock yourself out. <laughs> like, no, 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 that was nineteen eighty four, actually, when that happened to you. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, that didn't happen in '83. Yeah. That was '84. Yeah. Um, well, my bio. Uh, you know, I've been in the fitness game for a little over 30 years. Um, actually, it's longer than that because you know, you, I'm 51 now, 
And I started working out when I was eight or nine. It's hard to put, my parents have also tried to put a time stamp on exactly the year when I started working out with weights, but I was eight or nine years old. In a cinder block gym. Yeah, in a cinder block gym with a tin roof in southern Louisiana, you know, in the summertime, you know, Hot. with the snow outside. Right. And I went uphill both ways yeah. in southern Louisiana where there's not a hill. And there's tigers chasing you the whole time. Oh, it was it was horrible. Yeah. It was tigers and lions and, and, and big giant boar. Anyway, um, you know, I, I was a lost child. You know, I was I was a kid that was picked on at school. And, um, yeah, look, everybody has that story. That, that's not a particularly incredible story. But, uh, you know, I was that kid. And somehow this old Italian man, I came from Italian family, but I was living in Cajun country. I, I ended up with this uh, older Italian man. He was old to me, but he was my parents' age. And he started training me when I was eight or nine years old. Joe Baradona. Uh, Joe Bonadonna. But the story even starts, we'll get into that story later. We're talking about my, uh, you know, my thing. And, you know, by the time I was 16 or 15 or 16, Joe and I had moved the gym into um, this small building in my hometown of Donaldsonville. And I was his only employee. And he paid me absolutely zero. And I wouldn't have accepted money if he tried to pay me anyway. Right. Um, so that was around 1975, 74, 75 to give you, to put a timestamp on it. We were just coming out of Vietnam to give you an idea of how long I've been working out and helping other people. Here's another timestamp. Those are the two years that Archie Griffin won back to back Heisman trophies. So that, that's just yes. another, yeah. Okay. So yeah, that was before <laughs> Billy White Shoes Johnson. If you want to put another timestamp on it, um, <laughs> as a matter of fact, to put another timestamp on it. Archie Manning was just with the Saints. Yep. Most people don't know who he is, but he has two sons who are now um, in, in, you know, Super Bowl MVPs. Who just beat um, the Cowboys, my Cowboys, yesterday. Can you I'm, believe I'm that? Not, not happy about that. <laughs> but, oh well. Anyway, um, you, know, you know, I have been in the game that long. And back then I would read the old Joe Weider magazines, which more, looked more like, you know, comic books yeah. you know Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Lou Ferrigno and all those guys yeah and, yeah. and uh, you know Parks and all those guys you know they, they were like Haney. the heroes yeah yeah the Haney yeah absolutely and I would just read those magazines and the, the way you know I, and I started working with people because no one else in that small town knew how to lift weights so they were all paying attention to a 15 or 16 year old kid which was me and um, these were grown ups these were my parents friends and because kids just didn't walk into gyms back then. Um, so my career starts back then. And we're not going to get into the whole thing about, uh, you know. Yeah, we want uh, people yeah, to buy your book, right? That's like the yeah, no, I, point. Look, I, could, I could take you on 20 tangents. But yeah. the bottom line is I went from there. I had a scholarship to Tulane University. I, you know, I have my degree in physical education. I kept training people that whole time. Uh, I started I became a trainer before the term trainer was a word, you know, before it was a thing. And back then they used to call me the exercise guy down in New Orleans in the early 80s. And I've seen everything come and go. You know, I, 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 Hoffman products and Weeder fitness products and, I, you know, all this crap kind of come and goes. Uh, all the diet, you know. The Cambridge diet. Diets used to be named after universities. I don't know if you know that. Oh yeah, 
but the Harvard diet was, was cabbage. Diet. Was cabbage a university? Was there is there a cabbage soup? No, university? by the time <laughs> by, by the time the cabbage soup thing came around, they quit naming diets after universities. <laughs> uh, you know, and people used to actually die on these high protein diets. But hey, they um, lost weight in like ten minutes, so that's a positive. Right? Oh yeah, you so said you were dead, but you looked fabulous. Yeah, man, yeah. And I've seen everything come and go. Uh, back when uh, this guy who was calling himself a doctor, Dr. Robert Haas, wrote a book called Eat to Win. And he was telling everybody to do nothing but eat pasta around the clock. And he was claiming to train Martina Navratilova. If most people remember back then, when Martina got here in the 70s, she was a great tennis star, but she was fat. And then she, all of a sudden she was ripped like a bodybuilder. And this guy, Robert Haas, claimed to be the guy who got her that way by eating pasta. And uh, it turns out she never, ever said that this guy ever did anything for her. Um, yet, you know, eat to win became a whole thing, and all of a sudden pasta became a health food. I, I could go through every incarnation of what diet and exercise has done to conspire to make us as fat as we are today. But instead of doing that, I decided to write a book and kind of do an overview. And, you know, I don't know if I did a good overview of it or not. Um, I, well, I think you did. And let's, yeah, that's a good segue into the book. And let's, uh, for anybody that doesn't know uh, about Vinny's book, um, it, th there's a few quotes that I, th I think are, are pretty good. And, and these were ones that I had highlighted. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Before you highlight any of them, okay. the book, people, is called Fitness Confidential. And you can get it at Amazon, you can get it on iBooks, you can get it in Audible, you can get it uh, paperback, uh, you get it on your tablet, you can get it on your Nook, your Kindle. Uh, we will even come over and carve it into stone if you would like. Oh, but and now you've, you've read it. So now yeah, the Audible, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And people are loving, before you get into the quotes from the book, people are loving the Audible because... In, in true me fashion, I'm not going to say in true Vinny fashion because I'm not going to start third personing myself. Good, good. That, that's even too douchey for me. Yeah, yeah that's pretty. That's pretty up there. I, I hate when when you know you, you know like Garth Brooks started referring to himself as Garth. Right. Well, Garth wouldn't do that. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Use a pronoun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I decided to when I did the audio because I didn't want to do the audio. I wasn't going to do it at all because I didn't think anyone was going to buy the book. And when the book started selling like hotcakes and it became a bestseller on Amazon, it was ranked the number one fitness book and all that, we decided to do an audio book. Well, then Dean, my writing partner, Dean said, look, if we do an audio book, you have to read it. And I said, no, look, I can barely read with inflection. I cannot even read with inflection. I'm an idiot in life. And he said, no, everyone loves your voice on the Angriest Trainer podcast, and the only way we're going to sell this book is if you read it. We literally had fights back and forth. And then I finally just acquiesced and said, all right, I'll read it. And I did it the way I do the podcast. Not only did I read every word that's in the book, at the end, I had the great Dean Laurie come in, and we did like a 15-minute impromptu thing you know, chugging the same mic like Sonny and Cher back in the day doing I Got You, Babe, at the end of their, their show. We, we're chugging the same mic and just having a conversation about all the fun we had writing the book. I, I'll probably end up, uh, I've got a hard copy, I've got Kindle, and I'll probably end up buying the audio because I'm a nerd. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. You appreciate your nerdiness. 
Um, yes. Yeah. So you can get the book Fitness Confidential. It's 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 great. It's a it's a very layman's book. It's not technical. There's no science. Even though you could go science on us, you don't, and it's great. And so yeah. here here's some of the quotes. Here's the first one that it just I love, <clears throat> and I quote. The food pyramid is collapsing under the weight of all the Americans who've gotten fat as a result of following it. I also love, quote, nobody has the willpower to starve. And that's, yeah. that's a whole nother thing we could get into. But then the, the, here's, here's one that just really, those first two are kind of funny ones. This one is, 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 I don't know, a little deeper. It's, okay, quote, like the lions and gazelles in captivity, we've been trained to ignore our natural instincts to create things and move our bodies and accomplish goals, not realizing that there's a terrible price to be paid for this supposed, quote, easy living. And the price is that we've lost the will and drive to do the big things we tell ourselves we'll get around to doing, like finish that book or run that marathon because they don't have to be done. That's one of my life sort of, you know, I have this little quote that I have is it's never a good time. Like it's, it's never going to be the right time to do something great, like run a marathon or get married or buy a house, you know, there's just all, or or go back to school and get that degree that you've been wanting. Like it's never going to be exactly the right time. And it's just, it's a lot easier now that we have this sort of captivity around us to just say, I don't have to do that because uh, there's Coke in the fridge and I can just go have a Coke and watch a sitcom and, and go to bed. So I just, yeah. So, so yeah, kind of talk about that idea and and sort of what what your philosophy is on that well you know a lot of great men have have you know floated that idea and i think that message is lost way too often i mean uh the great martin luther king um was uh he hated welfare and the reason he hated it was because he felt that if you give people something for free they will lose the will to live and he was absolutely right. I mean, look at welfare in this country or in the world today. You know, I, I don't want to get political, and I'm not going to get political, but look at what happens when people don't have to work. When all they have to do is show a need instead of going out and creating. Yeah. yeah. Look what happens. Right, right. You know, I, I have a, a brother, a younger brother, who, who runs his own business. He's got a convenience store and a filling station. Um, I still call them filling stations. <laughs> a gas station for everyone else. He can't get good help. He's paying double minimum wage to get people to do a minimum wage job. He still can't get people to show up for work because they can get more money by sitting around and doing nothing. Right. Is that really good? Y- you know, right. and everyone complains jobs, jobs, jobs. Guess what? Some people just don't want to work yeah. because we've lost the will to live. We've lost our fitness middle class in this country. Yeah, I love that um, point that you make, yeah. You know, that's that's a point that people just don't see or, or pay attention to enough. You know, we see people who run marathons and who run triathlons and, and who ride their bicycles across this country or walk on their hands across this, this great country. And we have those people who are very fit. And on the other side of it, we have people who are four and five and 600 pounds. But in the middle, you know, that fitness middle class that we used to have is gone. And the example I use in the book is, you know, about a year ago, Disneyland out here in California had to close down the It's a Small World ride because the ride kept getting stuck. Isn't that like the, the greatest like irony like in the history? It's a small world and they had yeah. to make the things bigger. 
They had to make the water deeper because the <laughs> boats were bottoming out with the weight of the people. Because when that, when that ride was built in the 1950s, it was a small world. <laughs> it was a small world, and people, you know, you could put, you know, they, you know, look when they build those rides, they figure out the buoyancy compensation, and they they probably doubled or tripled it and said, okay, people, you know, could never outdo this. But guess what? You put two people in that chair now, and it's going to bottom out those rides because we've doubled and tripled in size. And the irony is, you're right, it's a small world ride, yet they had to dredge it out to make it a large world ride. <laughs> oh, man. And that, that kind of, your fitness middle class concept, it kind of uh, is, is sort of in the same vein as my sort of human, just being human concept. And we'll talk about, you know, the simply human lifestyle is kind of the thing that I'm uh, trying to, to get going and it's, it's uh, overlaps a lot with your message and, and the message of many others, but it's, it's that, that idea that, you know, you don't have to be the ultra marathoner, but you don't, you, you don't need to be the guy who just sits in the office all day and after not sleeping good and then coming home and sitting in a chair. And then, you know, it's like that middle class, that middle fitness, middle classes is also kind of, you could, you could label that as the humans, just the, just like the healthy humans. Well, you're absolutely right. And by the way, I've been paying attention to you, Mark, for, for a bit. And uh, I'll tell you, I, I actually have a name for you. I, I, as a matter of fact, sometimes I forget your name. And uh -huh. I, I call you uh, the young Unabomber because, <laughs> b because your ideals are very close to that of Ted Kaczynski. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, but here's, here's the thing. And this may make me sound crazy, but, you know, when Ted Kaczynski told the government, look, I'll, I'll, t I'll turn myself in if I could, do, I don't know if you know the story, but he said he would turn himself in if one major magazine or, uh, or a newspaper organization will write his manifesto in full without changing one word, he would uh, then give himself up without, you know, any kind of fuss. And uh, Bob Guccione of Penthouse said he would. And he printed that manifesto in, in full in Penthouse magazine. And guess what? The guy gave himself up, but I'll tell you something else. I've read that manifesto from cover to cover. I've, all, I've often said, this man, by the way, Ted Kaczynski was one of the, the brightest human beings to ever walk the earth. The guy is incredibly smart. Um, he, he had his, uh, I think, his undergraduate degree by the time he was 16, and he was tenured before he was 25 at, as a doctor in the university he worked in. And what he says, we would all agree with. The problem is the way he went about trying to get his message across. You don't go out blowing people up. Right. Which we can to, hope that I won't follow in his footsteps. Uh, yeah, so, you know, don't follow yeah. exactly in his footsteps. But guess what? If you read the manifesto, you're going to sit there as most sane people would and go, huh, yeah, the guy was out of his mind, but he makes a lot of sense. I can see that that scene. You know, my wife walks in. I'm, I'm reading the penthouse and I'm like, no, 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 this is the uh, Ted Kaczynski manifesto. No, uh, no, honey, I'm, no, I'm reading uh, it. I'm really reading it. No, I think you can find the whole thing online nowadays. It's, yeah, you know, yeah. just put in, uh, you know, Unabomber manifesto or something like that. And you'll, you'll see where the guy was crazy. But if you read between the lines of crazy, you would be shocked at what you're reading. Right. Well, you I'm going to do that. I'm going to I'm going to look it up online. Uh Sans the, uh, you know, the Im imagery. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> going to get myself in trouble here. Um, yeah. 
Okay, so yeah, so the simple human lifestyle is just my not. It's nothing me. It's it's it's. I was talking to a friend today, and it's kind of like how everybody thinks that like minimal running and like barefoot running is like this new like technological innovation and it's like no it's the opposite of that it's like it's getting rid of all the expensive shoes and the pronation and over pronation and supination and it's like forget all that we didn't we don't need that it's just stripped down to humans you know it's it's like you know technology and innovation and you'll i'm sure you'll agree with this like in some forms it's it's great in health like uh you know your ear surgery that you had or your leukemia like stuff like that like wow thank god for uh, you know, technological innovation and health and, and wellness and things like that. And it's great in education. It's great in, in science and in information and sharing and in the marketplace. But as far as like becoming healthy humans, I think we've really overcomplicated it and, and really trying to, to, you know, weighing food. I mean, I've been guilty of taking a food scale into a restaurant. I wish that That's, if you had been yeah. in that restaurant, you would have just come over and just need me in the throat and just walked away. And, you know, it's like that kind of stuff that happens. But Anyway, one question I did want to did want to ask you um, is just kind of your thought on on that idea. And in chapter six of your book, you talk about convenience versus laziness. And and I have this sort of thought that we've sort of like dumbed down as a society. I mean, if you read like the letters of of uh, Thomas Jefferson and John Adams and these guys, you're like, God, how they all these big words? They were so smart, and like their entertainment was. You know, and not to just use that time period, but it's like, you know, they used to read books and now we read movies and they used to go to the opera and the Philharmonic and now we have Miley Cyrus and, you know, like cooking. It used to be like this big thing, this daily thing. And now it's just you drive through and it's fast and it's sort of this this idea. So sort of what is your your take on uh, uh, just convenience and, and laziness and, and sort of the dumbing down uh, idea? To hear Vinny's answer to that question, you will have to wait uh, for episode three, because we had a lot more with Vinny and uh, decided to get uh, the most bang for my buck and get him get him for two episodes. So uh, we have more with Vinny on episode three of the Simply Human podcast. It is now time for the Humans Being Human segment, uh, a part of the show where it's just funny stories having to do with nothing except hopefully make you laugh. So uh, today's uh, Humans Being Human is Stephen Baldridge. Uh, professor at a university and his encounter uh, just going to visit one of his students in the ICU. Enjoy this. All right. So, Stephen, uh, yep. you went up to visit. There was a student that was in an accident to sort of set up the story here. Yeah. I, uh, I teach college, and so I had a student who was in a scooter act, a really serious scooter accident, and uh, was care flighted to a hospital in Dallas. And spent um, about three weeks in a coma, and I uh, was not doing very well at all. We didn't think he was going to make it for a little bit. Well, I was doing. How in, uh, the, world, was, how in the world is this going to be like a funny, a funny story? Just wait, you'll you'll hear. Just keep keep going. <laughs> yeah, we'll see, we'll see. So I uh, I went up to Dallas. Actually, I was speaking to uh, speaking to some teachers on a Friday. So Thursday, I was headed up to Dallas, and I figured I would do my. Um, professorial duty and I would swing by and see this student and I, I was on pretty good terms with this student I really liked him and so I went up to this huge hospital and um and before before you continue yeah what is your describe your um oh propensity to for yeah. gross things I guess you could say yeah I don't I don't you know I would have loved to 
I would I always say I would have loved to have been a real doctor. I have my PhD in social work, but that's not a real doctor. I would love to have been a medical doctor. Um, but I don't do blood and I don't do needles and I don't do bones and pain and things like that well. Um, it more it's more than just a aversion to it. I just physically I can't I can't handle it. Um, like throw up, body fluids, stuff like that. That doesn't bother bother me as much. Um, as, as the pain and the blood part of it. So I'm walking into the hospital, and this is very foreshadowing. As I'm walking through the first floor, I was about to go up to ICU. Um, I pass the emergency room, and it is just, it's a, it's a public county hospital, and the line in the emergency room is out the door. And I call my wife, and I just kind of say, wow, this line is crazy for the emergency room. I'm glad I'm not in there. So I uh, head up to ICU. I didn't think they'd actually let me back into ICU to see this guy, but they did. They take me back there. Now, I didn't know anybody in his family, anything like that. And so if you've ever been into an intensive care unit, there's not really rooms. There's just kind of these bays cut out of the wall with these quasi-curtains that shut them off. And so I walk in there, and there's more, two more people like in there. More like mosquito netting, I think, is yes, how it yeah, looks. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so the nurses can always see in and everything, which is fine. I understand that. And so I go in, and I, his girlfriend is there. Uh, and his best friend is there, and so I introduce myself, and I'm wearing a shirt from the university where I teach, and so we're talking, and uh, he is in bad shape. Um, you know, he's kind of conscious, but he's not really, he can't talk. He makes eye contact with me, but he's not, I mean, pretty ir- not responsive, and so I'm talking to his friend and his girlfriend, decide, you know, after about five minutes, I'm going to head out, so I'm like, well, I'm going to go, and she goes, no, 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 you need to stay. I'm sure, I'm sure he would like you to stay, so I'm like, all right, you know, all right, whatever. And so I go, and she leaves, and I'm talking to his best friend, and um, I'm holding, I'm holding the, the guy's hand, and his best friend leaves, so I'm just left in there with him. So I'm kind of talking to him, and this is fine. So I'm in there for about 20 minutes, and then his, then his stepdad walks in, and I'm talking to his stepdad, and uh, kind of during this conversation, I look up, and there's a sign on the wall. And you've been in the room for like half an hour. Half an hour, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, I look up on the wall, and there's this sign that says bone flap exposed <laughs> and i know i mean and i looked down at his leg and i know his leg has been crushed in it this is, accident. but it's covered up it's not yeah, yeah. i yeah, mean yeah. it's in this it's in this huge contraption of a boot i mean you can't see this exposed bone flap you're looking down at like a sheet like or a blanket yeah right yeah yeah and so um you know his leg is well his leg's kind of out of the blanket but it's covered in all this casing and so, so anyway i'm not seeing anything um but all of a sudden i start to get a little nauseous uh <laughs> And so I kind of grabbed the bed to keep from falling over. Thinking, and I felt, surely not. Yeah, surely yeah, not yeah. here. Yeah. And this has happened when I give blood or something like that, and it's always gone away. And so it doesn't go away, and the room kind of starts to spin, and I start to think I might be in a little bit of trouble here. You're like, you're like hold it together, Baldridge. <laughs> yes, and I'm looking around, looking for a place to sit. And I'm, I'm about to have to tell the dad I have to sit down, but I can't. there's not a chair in the room, and there's no way I'm going to – sit on the floor and put my hands between my legs in front of this family that I don't know. And so while well, their son is like in intensive care. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so I tell the dad, I said, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. I'm like, I just have to get out in the hall. If I can lay, even if I have to sprawl out in the hall, I can do that. And so I, so at this point, laying, laying down in the ICU hallway is like your, your best that's bet. My goal. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That's my goal. And so I, I tell, I tell the guy goodbye and I take three steps out of the room and all of a sudden things just start to go black. <laughs> And I can feel myself falling, and I can feel myself kind of that stumbling walk as you're passing out. And I don't, I, this has never happened to me before. And I start to fall, and I, I can't, I have zero control over my body. And I feel my face slam into this metal door frame on the way down. And then I just hit the floor, and I'm, I'm, I can't move. I'm somewhat conscious enough to know 
This has happened five feet from a nurse's station. There is somebody that's going to come to my aid here. So I just lay there. And sure I am enough, not going to die. Yeah. yeah. Sure enough, within 10 seconds, there's 10 people on me, flipping me over, getting my legs up. Apparently, this is not that uncommon of a scene in the, in the ER, I mean, in the ICU. And so they're asking me what happened. I'm like, I don't know. And luckily, the you don't want to admit the, that I read a, right, right, I read right. a sign. <laughs> Yeah, bone, it was the bone flap. Um, and so they, they're putting ice on my head. They're propping my legs up. At this point, the rest of this guy's family walks in. The dad walks out, and he is so confused by what he sees, this crumpled mess of a professor on the floor with all of the ICU staff tending to me, not their son. And so they get me into a wheelchair, and they're like, we got to take you to the emergency room. You've got a pretty good uh, knock on your head. And so they're like, we'll get you right into the emergency room. And I'm thinking, I've seen this emergency room. I know I'm not getting right into it. Um, But they're like, no, 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 there's really not a way. We'll get you in there. And so they take me down to the emergency room at 6.30 p.m. um, And I walked out of the emergency room the next morning at 6.45. So you were there to visit a a, a student. Yes. Ended up passing out, not because you saw anything, but just the thought Yes, of a bone just the flap. words, bone just flap exposed. Words. And you end up spending 12 hours. Now, the, yes. the, 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 your student is fine, and every, he recovered. And, yes, he and is. I actually have him, in, I have him in class right now. Okay. He or, is, yeah, uh, we, we wouldn't be uh, doing this if, right, if he yeah. was you know, in bad shape still. But, <laughs> and yeah. then the student died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we're, we're not there, yeah. <laughs> no, he has made a miraculous, and this is his favorite story to tell. He uh, loves this story, and so um, he has very—he has a lot of—he um, has a good sense of humor about it. But throughout the twelve hours in the uh, ER, I saw a woman wet herself three times sitting in a chair, only to find out she had already seen the doctor, just didn't want to leave the hospital. Good. Um, I saw several construction workers come in with massive uh, amounts of blood lost, which really didn't help the situation. I saw a uh, mentally ill man get almost tased and tackled by the police. And so, you know, just the joy of the 12 hours in the hospital. We could so, probably, yeah, probably do another whole segment just on that 12 hours. But Yeah, so I went and I did, the, I did a six-hour six workshop for a group of classroom teachers on zero sleep, and it was probably the best workshop I've ever done. <laughs> so I don't know what that tells me about my presentation abilities, but that's right. it. Well, uh, Doctor Doctor Baldridge, uh, we appreciate uh, you sharing your funny story with us, and we yeah. will talk to you soon. Sure, thank you. All right, thank you for that uh, funny story, Stephen. In the humans being human, um, we will close the show with uh, a tip on how to be more human, and we're going to talk about sleep just real quick. One quick, easy tip you can you can start doing right now is trying as, as, as closely as you can to go to bed and wake up at the same time every day. Just try that for a week and see what happens. Uh, sleep is very important. So that's the Simply Human tip of the week. And that'll do it for this uh, show, episode two. So coming up on episode three, we've got the rest of the Vinnie Tortorich interview, and we are going to talk about Glow Kids, our philosophies on eating out. We're going to find out what Vinny enjoys most about life, candlelight for kids, dinner time, and shotguns. And coming up in, in later episodes, I got Vinny to tell me some pretty hilarious stories for the Humans Being Human segment, uh, some of which I won't be able to use, but most of which I can. Just classic. So... Stay tuned in the upcoming uh, shows for Vinny's appearances on Humans Being Human because they are pretty priceless. So thanks for listening to Episode 2 of the Simply Human Podcast. We will see you later.